in a cold, unforgiving world, there stood two men against all odds who came to talk absolute bollocks. Welcome to the Scott and Lars show. With me, Scott. And me, Rumble Stiltskin. No, it's Lars, isn't it? Uh. Twat. Um, so, yeah, welcome back, guys. And, well, what it's uh, we said this last time, didn't we? And we're saying it again. Apologies for the delay. It's not been as bad a delay, admittedly, but it's been what I would consider a delay, a notable delay, one that I want to address. So... The Christmas special that we did rather abruptly, really, um, which was, well, I say abruptly. I mean, it was like, what was it? Four months after the one before, which the one, <laughs> the one before was the start of series three. And then, yeah, four months elapsed before episode two appeared. And now two further months have elapsed before episode three has appeared. And so I think we, we just had a quick chat about this, didn't we? And I think going forward, one a month is probably something to strive for that's realistic yes. because... Well, we're just busy bees, you know. Mm. Life uh, uh, gets all in the life, way. all life. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. So this is well. This is episode twenty, Lars. Don't you know? Episode twenty. We're into the twenties. Tell and me about it again. Something that we brought up before. We recorded this episode, didn't we, a while ago? Four months yes, ago, in did. fact. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, I won't re-regale the listeners with uh, why that episode hasn't materialised, but it hasn't because of laptop reasons. And so here we are doing it again. And I think we're going to try and focus it a bit, make it more concise. Um, yes. Last last time the it had more waffle than a, a Belgian pancake house. Yeah. And whilst that is a great thing... It's just that I think, you know, again, in the interest of just trying to get these out, I, don't, I mean, I never want to feel like I'm in the business of churning them out, you know. I would, no. Each one um, goes through a great deal of quality control, I like to think. And um, if we're going to be able to keep to the uh, kind of one month thing, then I think it would be better to just try and focus it a bit. And I realise that I'm wasting time by saying this, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can keep them around the hour mark and then it will just help me with the editing because... I don't want uh, to, you know, depreciate quality going forward, editing-wise, by rushing no. it, you know? And you don't want to spend every waking hour editing either, so... No, well, I can't, you know? I can't. <laughs> so, I mustn't. I can't, lads. If you've been a diehard listener since Series 1, then you'll know that we talked lovingly, very lovingly, about our favourite films, didn't we? Film. Yeah, and um, I hadn't seen quite a few of yours, and you hadn't seen quite a few of mine, and that's why we're here today, having watched a sizable chunk of those films. So we're going to mm. just, we're going to whiz through them, aren't we? We are. We're going to try and bash your mates, as it were. And again, as we discussed before uh, going live, as it were, and the red light came on, we're going to try and hold back from talking further about the films that we mentioned in the first place because we've already done so and 
just doing that alone should shave an hour off this to be honest because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last time we did this i think we watched watched we talked about i think four and it was yeah. like yeah it was about an hour and 40 minutes it was feature <laughs> yeah. length so uh, we've got something hang on 12 12 to get through today and i think we can do that in an hour last if we i um, think so too if we free our minds and all that stuff um and we, we've also agreed to do a quick rating at the end haven't we we have yeah and um you know my typical woeful preparation i haven't done that yet so i'll be doing it sort of on the fly as we go yeah well but, same here you know we're 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 two dicks talking bollocks you know you, you click record and you see what comes out exactly you already know buckle up for that shit so um yeah strap yeah, in exactly yeah do, do Loz and i know the direction yet not really but that's the fun so let's get <laughs> straight into it shall we oh hang on wait no we won't the jingle please and there we have it right um so i think Loz and i've both got the list in the same order here so indeed we'll be- and I, I believe it. We're, we're kicking off with one of my films. So uh, please allow me to get your thoughts on <laughs> Iron Man. Well, this this is a film that I'd already seen. Uh, let it not mm. be forgotten. But um, and it hadn't been forgotten really because when I watched it, I did remember it um, much more than I thought I was going to, to be honest. And I'd say that's a good thing because it means mm. it was memorable the first time. And um, you know full well, Lars, and I would imagine the listeners do as well, that, you know, Marvel, it's not massively my thing. I, I, I appreciate and acknowledge the, the extensive repertoire of Marvel films, but um, I'm not really, yeah, I don't make plans for those films, you know. So, no. uh, so Iron Man, well, where do we begin? I suppose we begin with the opening scene, which was actually quite a belter, really. Um, you're introduced to Tony Stark, and he's a bit of a suave operator. So you kind of you, you get sucked into kind of the charm of his character very quickly. And then mm. shall we just say that something happens? And yes, that's there's an incident. Of, yeah, and that sets the tone. I'd imagine most people have, have seen this. And actually, that's something we should address, Lars. Spoilers. What do you reckon? Um, well, I think, I think as we're we're talking about films that we've watched. And I think we're cutting ourselves at the legs a little bit to not not say, you know, there, there's some films that you're going to spoil almost by by talking about it. So I think we, we just go, you know, balls to the wall, as it were. So here's your spoiler warning then, ladies and gents. Yep. Spoiler warning. <laughs> if only they always said it like that. <laughs> They're missing a trick. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I should kind of start by saying that I did enjoy it again, you know, and I think... There, there were moments in it which were, you know, more than a pinch of salt required. But then I think that's par for the course with that type of film. I mean, it is a super natural, to some degree, superhero film. So you've got to go mm. in with expectations of things happening that wouldn't in the real world. And I think um, the the character developments and things like that were certainly kind of on point, I think, and, and believable, palpable, if that's the word. But... There's, I mean, we talk about something happened. Well, when that thing happens and uh, Tony Stark uh, negotiates that situation, that that was definitely a moment where I remember thinking kind of, really? But I, I, I'm not having too much of a go there. Like I say, it's the whole pinch of salt thing and maybe I'm just not applying enough salt. But 
Um, well, I mean, way- with 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 each of these films, obviously, there's an inbuilt sort of law. So you, to to someone who's familiar with the character, then that's that's just sort of like, oh yeah, part of the course, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to look at at the end of the day. And for someone like me, uh, that's extra important, probably. I know if, if um, well, I mean, you tell me, Laz, but I think if you're a real fan of of just that, that well, the the MCU, as mm. it would be known, um, certainly to Marvel fans, but to anyone that isn't like me, the MCU is the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe, Laz. Indeed. Yes, and um, so... I've completely forgotten where I was going with that point now because I've waffled. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it, so uh, yeah, to summarise, because we've got to try and do this fairly succinctly. That's the, the you know, mm. that's the the challenge, if you like, here, the gauntlet, and I'm already struggling. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, I enjoyed it. I'd say probably as much the second time as the first, and that's that's high praise, I'd say. Um, mm. Uh, Pepper, who's played by forgotten her name, help me out, mate. Gwyneth. Yeah, Gwyneth. Um, she was fantastic, and just a very—you uh, really just empathise with their character. She's adorable, and so that gave it extra pathos, I think, at times. Mm. And again, yeah, she, she really looks beautiful in this film. I don't—I'm not saying she doesn't particularly, but but not, doesn't normally, but particularly in this film, I, I oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and you definitely kind of. <laughs> Just, you know, you do fall for her to an extent and you just really want the best for her. And there are moments in the film where that might not happen. And, and you do kind of go through the motions of emotions with that. So that's, again, mm. well well written, acted, directed, etc. And uh, Lars, help me out again, please. <laughs> it was the, um, well, this is where the first spoiler might come in. The, the villain, if you like, that presents themselves as a the villain, probably about the halfway mark. Oh yeah, so so uh, his his name would be um... oh god, that's that's so irritating because I just had it and now I've lost it. It's Jeff Bridges's character. Yeah. Ah, uh, the warmonger, I think, is the title that he gives himself. But yeah, just Jeff Bridges, who's been at times almost molly coddling um, Tony Stark throughout the first half of the film, and then you sort of understand why, don't you? And so mm. that was, that was maybe in a way, well. No, I suppose it's not really that directly comparable, but like I like it when someone it's not as if it's not been done many times before in film, but I do like it when someone that you don't see coming as a villain becomes a villain. Like um, Die Hard 2, for example, you know, that's quite a good one. And Mm. uh, Jeff Bridges, you know, is someone that I've not seen in that many films. I think of the big Lebowski, you know, before anything else. Mm. But uh, he was excellent in this. And and again, that was just another strand that, that made it really good you know as far as i've not seen many of these films again that's important to say but i enjoyed it and i suppose well, I pr- probably... perhaps if i can sorry if i was going to say perhaps if i can help you out a little um considering that this is uh actually technically part of scott's journey to endgame because i'd of course said endgame was one of my top three favorite films if you consider that like you've watched all the other films that go before it to get the full breadth of emotion, would you say that you had um, the character had emotionally resonated with you by the end of the film? Yes, I think so. I think that's fair to say. Mm. And so that would inform my, my rating of it, which again, I'm, I'm going off the cuff a bit with these. I should have, if I'd had a bit more time, would have thought more about a rating, but does it really matter? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Mm, yeah, fair. 7 on the nose. And that's pretty good, I think, for 
for this type of film. And also it's important probably for me to say that it's not just kind of Marvel or superhero. I don't really tend towards action films in general of any kind. Mm. So and certainly except... fantasy is something you tend to stray away from. Yeah, I like that sort of stuff in gaming. Oh, and by the way, just to date the recording of this podcast, Elden Ring came out today. And um, I've had about an hour with that before um, before this bollocks. Anyway. I, 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 can I just say, A, I know nothing about it. And B, when you first brought it up, like, uh, I, I don't know why, but my first thought was it sounded like some sort of like weird Middle Earth style venereal disease. He's after the doctor. Why? Oh, he's got a bit of an Elden Ring. Yeah, Elden Ring. Oh, tricky. Um, yeah, and so well, it was Elden Ring, and uh, it was mistakenly called Elder Scrolls earlier by my girlfriend. I'll, I'll let her off. Uh, I won't name her. We don't, don't want to bring it, drag her into the limelight. To be lost here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got to earn that. I'll just say, um, well, my my little cunt cake. <laughs> if you're listening, fucking love you, mate. Anyway, touching. <laughs> yes, quite. I think, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's not Elder Scrolls; it's Elden Ring, and it's brilliant. But we'll leave that because, well, for multiple reasons. Uh, I think um, probably the main one of which is we're going to do an episode on gaming. I think, well, maybe in this series, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But anyway, uh, Iron Man. Yeah, I'm giving it a seven. Lars, your thoughts, please. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's probably about fair. I think um, when they made it, they'd have probably been happily taken a. A 7 out of 10? Yeah, if I was the filmmaker and I'd received a 7 out of 10 from a random geezer living in Worcestershire who doesn't particularly like the Marvel films, I'd be quite chuffed, to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's swing it. Let's uh, drop shot it gloriously over the net to you. Where are we now? Oh, yes, well, this is a film that's very close to my heart and... Having watched it again, I think I would have bumped it further up the list of when it was first mentioned. But anyway, it's not for me to talk about, is it? Lars, please tell us about your thoughts on the film Contact. Right, okay. Well, um, as, as far as Contact, I knew very little other than I think there was a line in South Park uh, where Mr. Garrison references, um, I watched... Uh, uh, it, you know, this is worse than Contact. God, I, I watched that all the way to the end of that god-awful movie just to find out, that, just to see the alien. It turns out it was a goddamn father. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there I am. You've had your spoiler warning, so don't come for me. Um, and it's quite a lengthy film as well. It is. It is. I knew nothing about it really, other than obviously, you know, I get that it's the first Contact or there, there or thereabouts. And I think I'd heard that it was Jodie Foster in it. But other than that, knew very little. Um, it's obviously a film of its time, but I think actually that adds to it. You know, there is the sort of uh, almost like a childlike innocence uh, in Jodie Foster's character in that she's held on to this connection with her father. And it's uh, then almost then enabled this, the, the, the ability to make contact, as it were. And from then on, it, it, it does sort of go in, in various sort of twists and turns. And I'm not really here to, to lay out the, the plot of the film particularly. Um, but just a, as an experience, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good film. I remember thinking specifically, and I thought I'd mention this as something we're going to talk about later, is that I felt as soon as I you know fin finished the film that this was almost like 
that Interstellar was very much one of the spiritual successes of this film. And Interstellar is a film that, you know, really uh, speaks to me. So I was just like, oh, that's uh, that's cool. That's um, an interesting window. Um, they are similar in a way. Mark Kermo did a thing where he talks about both in a sort of mini comparison, didn't he? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I might come up at some point. <laughs> might. Mm. Again, you've had your spoilers warning. Um, so yeah, so so I uh, after the uh, you know the 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 initial contact is made, I was quite anxious. I must admit at the time because I was like, oh, this this has the potential to go quite generic. And even though we've said uh, no spoilers, I, I don't particularly feel the need to, to go through everything that happens because there are quite a, a nice couple of twists and turns where I was just like, mm, I wasn't sure that that, that was going to happen. And when it did, it actually made the, the ending all the more sort of um, feel earned, you know, that it wasn't mm. just a standard tick boxes because, um, you know, they, they must have spent a lot of money at the time on those special effects. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was um, suitably impressed. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, you know, uh, really latched onto me. And I know, obviously, you know, no offence, I know it, it's, it's a big film for you. I'm not saying that you're wrong to think so. Um, Good. But yeah, I, I think um, the, the film itself almost has a sense of nostalgia to it. But again, I feel like we're starting to waffle here. No, uh, it's, I'm gonna... it's a good point you make because it, it came out in 97, I think, or 6 or 7. Um, mm. A lot of the films in the 90s had that glow about them and almost a formulaic approach to make. And I've, I've said it many times down these episodes that I've got a real fondness for that in film, you know, with the 90s mm. and stuff. And, and yeah, this, this was very much like that for me. I guess... You know, I don't want to talk too much about this film, if at all, really, because again, that would just be be breaking the rules in which you know, I'd set just ten minutes ago. Um, but I, I do like the kind of fact that this film is like a, a, a an intersection or a crossroad between like faith, science, and and politics as well, mm. and that makes it fascinating for me. And it's that that means it doesn't drag on as well, because there are quite some lengthy conversations at times but i think without that being the heartbeat of it that you know it wouldn't work anywhere near as well so yes and i I think uh, like i sort of made mention of with with you and and tony stark i did actually really buy into the character of jodie foster and having that you know sense that she was almost like looking always looking for what she'd lost almost in a way with her father and and things like that and the, the 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 journey to possibly you know being on the, the the having the ability to go and then not and you know will they won't they um that that works really well i thought it, yeah. it zipped along quite nicely as you say for, for a fairly long film um yeah like you say anything parental you know carries a lot of resonance in films and uh, well again interstellar we'll park that for now shall we mm, but... yes all right Lars. Uh, well yeah what what where are you rating that well it's in in with <laughs> we're trying to be original i'm afraid um my gut feeling says seven again um okay. you know i i think that's that's that feels right to me so yeah seven out of ten definitely a good film all right cool I, i'm glad because i must admit that was one of the films i thought you wouldn't like that much and that yeah. Would so yeah that's i'm happy with that okay right we're now well, bit... sorry go on i was gonna say as as, as we lurch from genre to genre um uh, once again <laughs> yeah. obviously a, a, a great film for me and um 
possibly one of my favorite scenes uh in in all of film in in this film and i'm not i'm not going to identify it i'm just going to leave that comment hanging in the air until the end the when i ask you because yeah, i'm i don't think you've told me what that scene is oh let me see if i can guess what that scene is i think i can um at the end but let me talk about it first. okay actually, okay well yes let's let's get the perspective of scott alex hughes well don't reveal oh, on, on Goodfellas as well. It might, it might have been good to mention the title. Oh, uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, we're talking about the film, not the pizza. So, you know. Yeah, if it was Goodfellas, the pizza, it'd be two out of ten at best. Fuck yes. me. Anyway, that's for another podcast. Um, right, well, Goodfellas is another film that I had already seen, but again, uh, many years had elapsed, probably more so than with uh, Iron Man, to be honest. I watched Goodfellas quite young, really. Um, so yeah, it was just as well I watched it again before really passing comment and giving it a rating because there's a lot going on. It's another lengthy film, sort of two and a half mm. hours or something like that. And it's um, well, it's the it's the life and times and exploits of one Henry Hill, isn't it? It is. And his rise up through the ranks of gangstership, if such a word exists. <laughs> and um, it's. You know, you don't need me or Loz to tell you uh, the reverence for this film worldwide, critics and just the likes of Loz and I alike. It's it's a beloved film and easy to see why I think when you watch it, even if you're not massively into this kind of genre, um, mm. I think you'd take a lot from this anyway, because much like The Godfather, it's just got so many kind of visceral, believable tangible just like life moments you know that just seem mm. real and again that just contributes to how you or how one feels about the characters and at the end of the day I think that is probably the most important thing in shaping how you walk away feeling about a film you know like how much you connected with the characters and stuff and the interesting thing with Henry Hill is that um, he does good things he does bad things you know and, and good people can do bad things bad people can do good things and that just comes up a lot i think in in this film in particular oh sure um, sure they're, they're not just bad guys but they, they certainly have their fair share of um naughty moments shall we say yeah and like family you know comes into it massively you know family i guess between maybe not family in the sense of well i suppose you could say in the sense of the godfather but i don't want to keep talking about the godfather but when i say family in two ways i mean obviously with the the clique if you like of of um Oh, God, I've forgotten his name now. Um, Henry Hill. Who played Henry Hill, for goodness sake? Oh, um, uh, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, thank you, yeah. And uh, and then, obviously, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and, you know, characters like that. So you've got that family there and you you get a lot of screen time with, like, their development. But then later on mm. in the film, you get a lot of time with, um, you know, like, family in a marital sense and stuff as well. And, yeah, there's just this this lurking you know growing sense of paranoia with the line of work that they're in as as the time goes on and you know there's there's one piece of we'll just call it a piece of work if you like that they that they do and then and then um someone decides to splurge some cash off the back of that and then the paranoia around that you know when some people see what that what he's done and mm. then the, the um Ray Liotta's Henry Hill develops a, a, a fondness, shall we say, for cocaine and the paranoia that comes with that. And, you know, with the helicopter, loves and mm. stuff like oh, that. Oh, definitely. Which, which, again, spoiler alert, is proven to be correct. But, um, you know, it's just you feel that, you really do. And whether you 
empathize, sympathize or not, think he's a prick, you still feel it watching it, you know, regardless. Mm. And, and um, yeah, I mean, given all the more weight that it is really quite heavily based on a true story, of course, isn't it? A true account of him. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I totally understand why it's lauded like it is. And um, I suppose to try and round this out, I think rating wise, this is commonly in the in the high nines, isn't it? You know, with with mm. um, with critics, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, how many times have I said you know? That's normally <laughs> that's your thing, isn't it? Rubbing off, um, you know. I'd say I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight point two. Okay, which might seem low on first listen, but I think again it's as much as I respect it, it's a genre that's not dear to me. And I'm mm. not saying it's a genre that's dear to you, even though we, we know what your number one and number two films were. And, and also this was one that was proposed by you. And that's why I went on the watch. List. Oh, yes. And, and I think you would say these stand out in particular amongst that um, genre, even though what makes these films so good is they, they, they step outside of that genre for a, a large chunk of the time as well. You know, mm. I'm just throwing in another, you know, there. But yeah, I think 8.2 is probably fair. It's I don't think I ever need to see it again. I've, right. I've, I've seen it twice. And again, like Iron Man, thoroughly enjoyed it on both occasions. But I can't think of an occasion where I'd want to see it again. You know, it's... Um, it's unless you I was and I... Say, that's, that seemed a bit much. I can't think of an occasion that I'd want to see it again. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, yeah, well, uh, who knows how long I've got on this earth, and that time can be spent watching films I haven't seen. This is I see, film, I see. This is a film that I don't think I'll forget enough to want to rekindle my you know, memory. Yeah, I was, was going to say. So, so you retain enough from it that you feel like, right? Okay, I, I've I've got the 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 gist of it. Yeah, so it's a double-edged comment because on the one hand, it's me saying I don't feel like I need to say it again, but see it again. But then on the other side of that, it's me saying, well, I was sufficiently absorbed to have taken taken it on board truly on two viewings. And so, yes, and and also, well, I mean, I, it, it reminds me, funnily enough, uh, it just in in terms of what um, your comments that is, is like you spoken about uh, film two thousand and one being a film that you really only need to watch every five to six years, but still being I think was it your favorite or certainly one of your favorites that was um, number one uh, yeah yeah exactly so there that, you go that it's... strikes an emotional bond with me whereas this kind of didn't in the same way mm-hmm. and I think it might be that simple see I was going to say to you um oh, well I was thinking in my mind when you were coming out with the rating anything less than an eight would be a slap in the face so I'm I'm actually quite happy with that because I, I as you say I, I know it's it's obviously it's my film not your film I I think I've got a thing for films that really sort of like throw you into a character's world and if i if i empathize with the character i'm on the train and if i don't then i'm not and i I, you know i think most people are the same yeah yeah i'd agree with that wholeheartedly let's move on to the cable guy le cable guy and now this this was well this was in my top 10 wasn't it i can't remember where i think it was like number nine or number eight one of the two your top ten, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it was in there, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was like low in ranking, but high in number. If you get what I mean, it was nine. I think. I think it was number nine. Anyway, 
Now, going into the cable guy, I was mildly trepidatious because we discussed many a time between us, not on the podcast, kind of Jim Carrey and and the silly era and mm. Loz's love for Ace Ventura. And, right. I, and I had <clears throat> a lot of love. for. Well, I, I mean, I did thoroughly enjoy those films and I do love them, but much more for me, you know, the cable guy and another one from that era, which we'll get to. But I, so, and Loz hadn't seen the cable guy. So, yeah, it, it felt not pressure, but like I, I went going into it, I was like, oh God, I, I really want Loz to love this, like anywhere mm. close to as, as much as I do. And so, uh, take it away. <laughs> um, Did you? Didn't you? No, I, I definitely enjoyed this film. Um, I can understand why it's sort of maligned. Because it wasn't a, a, a massive hit, was it? You know, and I, I always, again, uh, I'm much more familiar with um, in the Simpsons where they go to a planet Hollywood and yeah. there's the script for the cable guy and there's Homer just like, stupid script, nearly ruined Jim Carrey's career. So yes. I'd, I'd sort of heard, you know, negativity around it. And I'd, I'd and then obviously talking to you who, you know, loved it. Um, it... it, it <sighs> I, I think that's sort of what what its problem was it with the mainstream was the same thing that never attracted me about it was that it, it I'd heard that it was zany but at the same time that it was also sort of a bit mixed up and it was a bit mysterious and it, it didn't seem to know a hundred percent what it wanted to be. Um, I I think this is my perception of previous to to watching it. Um, but yeah, I I really I thought it was a, a, an intriguing character. I thought it was a, an interesting take on um, mental illness. Frankly, um, I'd had certain moments sort of spoiled in the past because of people wanting to be like, "You've not seen it? Oh my god!" Uh, and then uh, I didn't feel that that actually spoils anything. Uh, seeing certain scenes, like I'd seen um, the scene where Jim Carrey does. Uh, don't you want somebody to love? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, I, uh, I was quite cautious to, to show you anything really. And I think the only thing I possibly did was the basketball scene. Cause that's only about two minutes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that that'll be sufficient to allure Loz into wanting to see this film without spoiling anything. Yes. You weren't, you weren't wrong there. The, the, and the only other bit I'd seen was um, when they go to the, the medieval knights sort of yes eating times. place thank you yes yeah which looks a lot of fun i'd actually quite like to do that in real life i've been um, to medieval times in florida yeah anyway i won't digress I'm, i won't cry um <laughs> yeah I, I, no yeah so no sorry i'll shut up carry on shut it up uh, again, <laughs> oh, lovely bit of inside baseball there. Um, go off and watch the League of Gentlemen series three, everyone. Anyway, yeah, do it, please. Continue. Yes, so, um, yeah, again, you know, I, I don't want to uh, uh, go over it too much, particularly. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was funny in moments, it was touching in moments. Um, I think Jim Carrey played that character so well mm. with that sort of is he is that really him is it an act is it his illness is it multiple personalities you know it, it was uh, really interesting and, and again I can't say as I uh, there's some parts a very movie that are, are formulaic there has to be some sort of formula otherwise really 
you know, it, it, it's not going to move along as, as, as promptly as you would want for a theatrical release. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, it, it kept me on my toes. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it, and I certainly wouldn't be adverse to, to watching it again. Um, yeah. And I, now, I think... no, no, sorry, go on. Oh no! I was just simply going to say that his his cohort, if you like, in the f- film is that um, Matthew Broderick, who mm. I've got to be honest, you know, normally in films I find him just kind of a bit of an insipid actor, you know, and, and maybe he gets casted as such because he's just right for that kind of role, you know. No, no disrespect, to Matthew. I'm sure you're mm. listening, but um, I say Broderick, by the way. Well, you're a twat. But yeah, um, well, so are you. Yeah, that's why I love you, baby. It's, it's probably as what Broderick, did you say? Yeah. Is that not Broderick? Brod- I'm going to say Broderick. I feel like that's what he would go with. Well, Matthew, you know, just tell me. Drop me a line. Drop us a line. Yeah, tweet me. Let me know. Oh, no, I don't have Twitter. Oh, yeah, I do. Do you? My point was, anyway, that um, he is normally just kind of, yeah, insipid and anemic, you know, just lacking. But he's, I think, casted perfectly for this role because that's what that role requires, isn't it? And yeah, it serves only to kind of heighten the craziness at times of the well, the, the interesting thing is you don't really know the name of Jim Carrey's character. That's kind of a running not gag, but just theme, you know, plot, if you like, what is his real name? Mm. Um yeah, I think the film was all the better for Matthew Broderick being in it, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Well, it's almost like having really, really dull wallpaper and then having something magnificently colourful to put. Yeah, a feature wall that just it, makes the whole yeah. thing pop. Yeah, it, it, it draws the eye. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we've got to try and be conscious of time here. Well, yes, what, we have. What, what are you saying? I'm intrigued for this. Go I was going to say this is digits. This is difficult. This is difficult. Um, if I've already rated contact at a seven... Um, I feel like to, to, to go on with how I felt, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 6.5. Now, again, that's, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. But again, that kind of feels right for me. Okay. Okay. Well, that was um, sincere and honest. So how can I be upset with you? But <laughs> I, no, I, be... I, do, I do feel like you've got a, a hitman on speed dial as we speak. <laughs> Yeah, Tony, you've got the green light. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> just pull your curtains apart. Just when well, no, I don't actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, well, yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, I thought it'd be a higher rating than that, but I'm not. Um, well, I don't know. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a bit like disappointed because I, I wanted you to love that just as much as I did. But I suppose mm. with you being a diehard kind of Ace Ventura man, it's almost hard to see a silly Jim Carrey in another light, isn't it? When you kind of latch on to, because I, I don't know, I'm not going to make that point. I can't be bothered. And I don't think it's worthwhile, but okay. I, I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad, um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's all I'm saying there. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Right. So, so moving on, um, like, like the endless void of time in which we all exist. Uh, I'm about to uh, to throw a bit of a curveball, actually, because technically, on on your path to Endgame, this film, despite it being in the, the much-vaunted MCU, uh, this wasn't on my list of films for you to get the most out of Endgame. 
And that's why we sort of watched it a little out of sequence because it does take take place much longer into the MCU than than Captain America, which again, spoiler alert, it's coming up. Um, but this film was really uh, to almost elongate your bromance with uh, a certain Chris Pratt. Yeah, um, I've been sort of weirdly in love with Chris Pratt since Andy Dwyer, you know, in Parks and Rec. Mm. And um, I don't know, I just, the, the guy exudes a certain charisma and charm that I just find quite, you know, he, he's a bit like, say, uh, Paul Rudd or, you know, or Bob Mortimer, someone like that, who just, he's kind of lovable whatever he does, you know? Mm. And um, so I was intrigued to see this film, given that it was such a big, deal when it came out and just kind of passed me by or rather I chose to sort of pass it by and mm. so and it's it... sort of a cult a cult favorite amongst the MCU really uh, a lot of people weren't very sort of hyped for it before it came out and I think it caught a lot of people off guard and a, a very very catchy soundtrack has, has definitely helped in that point but before we go any further I'm actually going to delve into what the bloody title of the film is and it is of course Guardians of the Galaxy. And so, yeah, uh, it feels like a very long time ago we watched this, and I suppose it kind of was, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so I liked the the just the the jokey, exuberant kind of again slightly silly at times, self-deprecating nature of it. And of course. Chris Pratt is kind of the star, I suppose. And his name is Star something. It's Star-Lord. Star-Lord, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's well complimented by a good sort of supporting cast, isn't he? And they are very much a sort of team. And I, the thing is, of course, I, w- without having seen the film, you know, for something like seven or eight years, or you know, until, it, until I actually did see it, I was aware of, is it Groot? Yes, and the the um, the raccoon, whatever that thing's called, rocket raccoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was aware of these characters, and I'd seen little snippets of them to get a little sense of what they were like as a character. And then, yeah, I, I this might be quite a brief one for me to summarize. Really, that's not a bad thing. I, I did enjoy it. Um, again, it's probably a film I don't need to see again, but I would like to see the second at some point. I felt that the villain or villains in it were, were really good as well and like Lars says the soundtrack was good and the soundtrack plays quite a pivotal role in the film as well above just being the music that plays because of the sentiment attached mm. um, to Star-Lord with those particular set of songs you know yeah with it with it being a gift from his mum who was dying of cancer to sort of you know these are my favourite films so you get my, my favourite songs so you can remember me by them um, yeah and then at the end of the film, him finding like he'd he'd got a second cassette that he could never bring himself to listen to, and after sort of like, you know, again, yeah, if I just spoiler alert, you know, fuck you, uh, he saves the world, and then is sort of like, right, okay, perhaps I I am ready to listen to this now, and it's a whole new set of songs, and um, somehow they managed to connect it into the uh, the the starship, and off they go. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember exactly how it ended, but I do kind of remember, obviously, what happened at the end and how the story was concluded. I'm just trying to remember mm. what the exact ending was, but I think it was actually to do with the cassette, wasn't it? But, or was yes it? and no. <laughs> it, it's, it's sort of something that led to it. So basically, they, they, they were, they'd got the power... No, that was it. I think Ronan had got the power stone, hadn't he? And that um, 
or was after the power stone and they were trying to stop him and in order to control the power because he'd been they'd been told that like no normal earth person could contain the might of an infinity stone and uh, they all sort of connected together to chain the power through all of them and that's how they managed to beat Ronan and sort of save the day yeah and, and the there's power, a dance off in there as well of, yeah, of course well pretty much <laughs> Love every that bit. film has a dance off um yeah, disagree, but yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, Power Stone came up. So I watched Black Panther the other day. Did you know? Yeah, um, it was at, like Vicky's. Oh, I've named up for now. Uh, yeah, it was so <laughs> uh, like they're big Marvel fans, and ironically, they were kind of working through the Marvel films themselves, and I just happened to be present for Black Panther, which was one I was kind of intrigued by, and so was Vicky. So that was kind mm. of good to watch, and I'm sure there was a Power Stone that came up in that as well. Um, or, a, or a something stone. Then I'd, I'd have to I'd have to rewatch it to be certain, but it's certainly not a main part of the thing. No, it's not film. integral to the story, but it gets it. Black it gets Panther mentioned. To, yeah, th- this it seems like there are a lot of like little Easter egg nods to other MCU films because the, the sure guys, sure the guys that hosted it were like aware of those and kind of were pointing them out to each other as and when I thought that's quite cool you know I can't mm. appreciate that but I'm kind of glad that you inadvertently let me know that that was a moment where that happened yes and so bringing it back to Guardians I'm going to give it I think I'm going to give it a 6.3 or six point, maybe 6.4 okay okay because I, I enjoyed it yeah I, don't, I mean this is probably going to continue to happen. You know, I'm going to think, hang on, is that right? Because I've just almost thrown that number out there without thinking too much about it. But maybe that's the way it should be. I feel like it's, mm. yeah, early, mid sixes, somewhere around that general yeah. game. And that's still a good score, really. If I didn't enjoy something, it would be way lower score-wise. So I did enjoy it. And um, Well, funny enough, I think we we're almost on a similar sort of vein because... I mean, 10 out of 10 is almost impossible. A nine is is something that, you know, really speaks to heart and soul. Eight is something I think you, you know, really, really, really solidly enjoy. Seven is, is you know, just generally a good time. And I think five is is a competent film that, you know, didn't necessarily touch you, but was was fine sort of thing. So for, for anyone thinking um, these might be harsh reviews, in a way, certainly from the way I'm looking at it, I think anything above a five is is, is a, a good grade, almost really. Yeah, four to four to kind of six is average, really, isn't it? And so this would be just sort of just above average, which seems fair, seems about right. Yeah, yeah. Especially again with with somebody who's not necessarily you know interested in these sort of films, I can totally see that. Cool. Well, and yes, um, at some point, I, I think Guardians Two would be a good shout. But yes, without further ado. Well, without further ado, uh, I'm going to urinate, please. All right, back in two seconds. Uh, that's great. That's great podcasting right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See you in a minute. Ross was fussing the dog in the background there, and I clicked resume recording. He doesn't know I'm recording. No, okay, he's fallen silent now. (laughs) 
that knife just is ignorable to you. It is to me. I'm going to pause again. Hang on. Hello, welcome back. Here we are, the Scott Lodge Show, and we're going to go straight into Dig, which is the film that I recommended to Loz. Um, quick introduction to Dig. Basically, a, a, a well, a, a proper true documentary, really, of the... Um, mm. The, the respective careers of the two bands, the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre, and in particular the friendship, or rather lack of at times, between their two frontmen, Courtney Taylor Taylor and uh, Anton Newcomb. So anyway, that's enough uh, blurb spiel from me. Over to you, Loz. What did you think of Dig, please? Well, well, well. Now, this really was uh, out of left field for me in particular. I don't think I'd even heard of the documentary and, and, and certainly had never heard of the Brian's at uh, the Brian Jamestown massacre, um, had heard of the Dandy Warhols, but very sort of fleetingly and not, not that I, you know, I mean, everyone likes, uh, Oh, what's the, something like you, Bohemian, oh, like you, Bohemian yeah. that's it. Thank you. The Vodafone um, song as some people call it. Yeah, quite. But yeah, no, I, I, I Again, sort of went in completely blindfolded, uh, no idea. I, I, I found this one quite difficult to get on with, and I don't think my lack of familiarity was was anything to do with that. Other than, and I, I have sort of spoken to you about this off uh, pod, and I, I felt like um, Anton uh, really came across as quite a sort of a an embittered sort of um, almost like a fantasist, you know, that that he sort of seemed unable to grasp the fact that anyone else could could do music better than him almost you know mm, yeah and I, I i understand that there was sort of like a similarity in styles and that they were hanging out when they were both sort of at the the germination of both of their sort of musical careers and that you know there might have been some element of of cross-pollination there with with styles and, and what have you but i really don't think it's fair to look at the dandy warhols and 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 in fairness to them, what limited success they had, certainly internationally, um, and, and look at them and feel like you you took my spot, you know, as if you mm. you took my party trick and, and ran with it. And I mean, um, Courtney Taylor-Taylor really showed a lot of patience, I felt, with Anton, because there's even a, a part quite late on where they're in a van and Anton is performing or, or, or is playing a CD, it's one or the other, of essentially like a song that's just like fuck fuck the dandy warhols and he's like yeah okay that's that's interesting uh, okay and i think at that stage considering there'd been a lot of sort of back and forth and harassment and, and this that and the other i think i'd have probably punched him in the face if it'd been me um so so i was just like right okay um yeah because it's not just a bitter resentment of like you know how their paths crossed and the directions they continue to go in but yeah, it's more than that, isn't it? It's yeah, he's egotistical and enigmatic in a way that can be yeah, very easy to to dislike and for good reason. I mean, you know that that that's sort of where I I think I struggled because I couldn't realistically jump on either side because the Dandy Warhols didn't necessarily speak to me as a as a band or nor particularly people. I think on both sides there's definitely some pretension strutting around. Um, I, I just remember a very, very striking sort of dislike of Anton and how he 
almost sort of saw himself as like some sort of musical Jesus and that anyone who disagreed with him or didn't want to do things his way, well, it was fuck you. And, you know, you're all hacks and you, you can't do it like I can. And, and then when you also consider the, the drug use that was going on, I, I mean, that there, there is, I, I'm a fairly open-minded person, but I, I have to say uh, there is sort of a, a stigma to which I mentally attach to anyone who's got long-term heroin use, just because I, I just think, have we not heard enough about what heroin will do to people by now? Um, anyway, without this, this becoming a TED talk, I, I have to say, I, I remember very specifically the day that I sat down to watch this. And um, if I'm being honest, I don't know whether it was just that it wasn't for me, but I, I struggled to, to give it my full concentration. I did, but it, it, it ne didn't necessarily hold my attention um, very well. And I, I, as I say, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want anything good to come for Anton, but I wasn't necessarily filled and compelled to be like, yay, Warhols. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I think particularly like about it, really, that it's, it's these two people, neither of which are a protagonist, really. You know, it's like a character study of two antagonists in some ways. It's just, mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. And I, I think what drew me to it was how real it is. And, and I, whilst I'm not like, um, you know, I wouldn't go parading down the street um, declaring my love for Courtney Taylor Taylor. Um, I think I just love that Andy Walls is a band. But then I, I, having said that, I didn't necessarily go into this film seeing him as like a protagonist and um, Anton being the bad guy. I think I just find it fascinating how these two equally egotistical people just coexisted and, and you know, ships in the night and all that and just... The, their collision I thought was fascinating and, and these sort of things probably do happen all over the place in in music and I, I felt above, sure. above all it was just a very real biopic kind of account of just what it's like to be in the music industry and for the Dandy Walls to have achieved like I found it especially interesting that, that they achieved some level of fame with their 13 tales from open bohemia uh, was it is it urban what's it called I think it is 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia. Can't believe I can't remember with that song on it, you know, and um, it wasn't like propulsion to stratospheric stardom. It was just interesting to see how it was a bit of that, you know, and how that mm. affected people who had maybe not a dependency on drugs, but just liked drugs and, you know, subsequently had an expensive, you know, outgoings. And so it's quite interesting to see that. And then, yeah, on the other side, you've got Anton who hadn't, achieved that level and mm. yet did very much have a dependence on on something that was just eking him away financially and just in every sense and so it is really a very tragic story isn't it but I think what yeah I, I, I'm sorry I'm breaking the rules here talking too much about this film <laughs> I, I did that before yeah I found it fascinating on many levels mainly because of its realism it just felt very true Oh, it's, it's definitely fly on the wall uh, filmmaking for sure. It, it, it does seem to be presented fairly uh, evenly and, and fairly sort of warts and all. I, I, you know, I, I don't think anyone could say that it necessarily sort of like, you know, portrays the Dandy Warhols as, as you know, cleaner than clean against Dirty Anton or something, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but, no, yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to slap a bow on this and say... Uh, for me, again, with with our established sort of uh, criteria, I, I, I'm going to slap a five on this one. Okay, that's good. Cool. That's higher than I thought it would be, actually. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> that's, I think that's probably yeah. Yeah. Again, without wanting to waffle, it's the differentiation or delineation between kind of love and respect for a film, isn't it? And I suppose mm. you can understand um, that rating. Fair enough. I mean, if, uh, funnily enough, I, I, I just happened to see that this has got 90% on um, Rotten Tomatoes, which I, I thought was quite interesting. So That's um, quite high, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Average rating of 7.8 out of 10. So, mm-hmm. you know, m- maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem, but it's my opinion. So... Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, anyway, wow. Next, let's, next stop. Let's, let's see if you can dig this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a Korean film, so yeah, watch out. Um, yeah, we both threw a pun in there, didn't we? We did. So now hop on, hop on aboard the train to Busan. Now, this is a film that I'd not heard of before Lance mentioned it, and when uh, when it was mentioned that like zombies were essentially the theme of the film, mm. I thought, oh, okay, on two counts. One, you know, I'm not really a big zombie fan. I'm very interested in kind of the, the how do I put this? This is a film where I feel like I should have prepared before this podcast how am i going to talk about this (laughs) i see yeah because on the one hand most zombie stuff just leaves me wanting and just a bit cold and a bit like you know i I find a lot of other things more horrific in the world of horror but Mm -hmm. i'm very interested in that specific area of zombie stuff which is the idea of turning you know where a human who has that backstory and the characters they love around them and seeing that dissipate and this transformation that I find fascinating a little bit almost like possession you know with with other films we won't go into the exorcist and the likes but I think I've often been drawn to that specific part of that you know Mm. the the transformation and how it happens and I suppose that is where typically in the past I've kind of had an interest when I've watched a zombie film you know that's been the stuff that I've been hoping would be done well and if it's not and it's just kind of canon fodder millions of oh the most zombies killed in 10 minutes ever in a film (laughs) yeah yeah then like if 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 it's gonna be anything like interesting to me it's got to be stylized in a way that's humorous and that's where Zombieland was quite good you know that delivered sure but but when Lars described train to be i thought okay this this does sound quite interesting i um i like the premise i like the setting um which if you haven't guessed is on a train which is heading <laughs> Busan, and Busan, Busan, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I did really enjoy this film. I did it. I, I'd put it in the in the top echelon of zombie films I've seen. That might not right. elicit a massively high rating on its own, but um, I would say it's one of the better zombie films I've seen. And mm. I love a film where I don't know the the actors, actresses. You know that that to me on its own has a film onto a winner because I find it so easy to identify a an actor with another film I've seen him in. And so for mm. example, you know, a bus went past the other day with um I can't remember the actor's name who played Tyrion Lannister. Oh Peter um, Dinklage. Dinklage, that's it, yeah. Yeah, and it was like it was this I'm not sure if it's a stage production or a film, but it was just the name of the film and it was his face. And I thought, well, 
what's that telling me? It's just it's Peter Dinklage, a yeah. Tyrion, you know. And so mm. yeah, the, the same applies with so many films with actors. Well, I think, well, it's not there's a running gag with Ricky Gervais, isn't there, with his characters, and, and it, I like the fact they've identified that and, and self-deprecated gags about that. Mm. And so, yeah, what I especially loved about Train to Busan is I didn't know the characters, and um, I everything I've seen that's been Korean has been really good film-wise, and so I went into this expecting it to be pretty good, and it was. <laughs> it was um, everything about it was entertaining. That the the set pieces, the action horror side of things were done well. It was they they handled the setting well, you know, given that. I, I guess I examine things maybe from a writer's point of view to some degree, having kind of written some stuff like in my life and kind of having an interest in writing. So I do tend to, ha- whether I want to or not, have a bit of a lens, you know, of um, analysing how it's written more so than maybe how it's directed, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I enjoyed everything about this film with that stuff. And I thought it had a very kind of poignant final 15 minutes or so. Uh, I know we said we can go into spoilers, but I won't here. I'll just say it was quite a um, just poignant emotional end. And I thought mm. that was done very well. And again, you know, it will, we will continue to talk about just engaging emotionally with the characters and stuff. And that was particularly important at the end with what happened. Oh, time. yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. But also, it. especially with it being him him being a, a, a very sort of business orientated man who'd separated from his partner and that that sort of the affection for his daughter that he hadn't shown almost had to come back full circle the other way. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Like, like at the start where he comes home and it's her birthday and he doesn't know what to get her and asks one of his colleagues, Oh, what the kids like. And he tells him to, to buy her an Xbox uh, connect, I think. And he comes home with the full, like, you know, box of it and she sort of looks over and there's another one that he'd, he'd bought her like for it for the last you know christmas or whatever um, yeah and you know we talked about parental stuff being quite heavy hitting and, and interesting with me not being a parent myself that i do tend to latch onto things like that from a parental side you know i find that really mm. interesting and yeah they they do that really really well and uh, and again if you're talking kind of parental stuff um and also korean squid game you know, that was out recently. Oh, yeah. And that was, you know, that had both strands for it, one being Korean and one um, with the father-daughter relationship that was sort of, even though, well, no, I won't go into it. But. No, but I, I must admit, having seen this, uh, I, I thought, oh, you know, I've seen some Korean stuff that's been quite interesting. Let's, and I, and I when I saw Squid Game pop up, I watched it before, I'd heard anything about it. So I, I was really happy that I'd sort of stumbled upon it. Then all of a sudden it was all over Facebook. But again, we're not here to talk about Squid Game, are we? No. Now, I'm really glad that you'd sort of picked up because uh, it, one of the things that I think I'd probably um, gone on at you about is uh, I've seen several films um, where, as you say, it, it's just like, you know, loads and loads of zombies and they're all just getting mowed down by these magical machine guns that somehow never need to reload um and you know and just crops of of extras just getting mown down and splattered and after a while you know it it, it, you become a little numb to it and i i feel like even though 
there were times where you saw, say, military figures who'd got the gun. Um, I'm not actually sure there's any more than sort of like a single shot fired throughout all of it. Yeah, I think- absolutely. And to jump in on that, um, at, towards the end, there's a scene with two military figures in a kind of bridge tunnel. And mm. and it's the way shots aren't fired is, is very good there. Yes. Yeah. So totally agree. And I suppose... I'm going to, rating-wise, I'm going to give it a 7.7. Wow. I would happily watch this again. I really liked it. Um, in fact, I'll recommend this to watch. I'll add this to because I've got my own watch list with, with Vicky, really. So I'll I'll stick this on there, actually, because it was really good. And yeah, weirdly, I, I've forgotten. Yeah, and the weird thing is I've forgotten some of this film more than others are on the list. And I don't quite know why. Maybe I just had a few beers when we watched it. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it was because we watched it after watching another film. Because we've done that mm. for the record with a lot of this watch list. We've watched two in one night. No. Yeah. We're sometimes uh, quite quite jarring effects, but there we go. <laughs> yeah. And we've always made sure to watch two very opposing films. Mm. Well, I mean, our, our tastes are quite sort of... Not opposite, but differing, certainly. So Not opposite, but opposed, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, but I wouldn't have phrased it that way. No, contrasted <laughs> is probably a better word. Yes, yeah, yeah there you go. I'm talking of contrast. We're now going to go from a film about zombies on a train in Korea to a film in America about, well, many things. People who aren't zombies who aren't on a train? Yeah, for one. Or two. Um, this this is a film that again was very close to my heart. Could have kind of quite easily made the top ten, but didn't. And um, so, yeah, another film that I was really intrigued to get Loz's thoughts on as we watched. And so, yeah, I really looked forward to the night that we sat down. It may well have been after Train to Busan, to be honest. I don't know. And uh, well we, been. and we watched Silver Linings Playbook, didn't we? We certainly did. I, I again, I, I feel like so many of your films, I, I didn't really. I think that's again what what's made uh, certainly this interesting for us. I hope it is for you guys listening. I'd, I'd, I'd heard that I'd heard more that it was Silver Linings Playbook was was up for this Oscar or you know this sort of award, and, and it was Jennifer Lawrence. I think I'd heard that was a, a pretty much it. And I'm almost an anti snob in that respect in terms of when I hear stuff being nominated for the Oscar. I tend to give it a wide berth just because I think there's this, this, uh, 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 for me, there's a, there's almost like a, this idea of a prestige picture mm-hmm. that you can do something which is sort of like uh, emotionally challenging or exceptionally woke, especially these days and that sort of thing. Or, you know, and, and, and sometimes I, I, I really think, that, you know, when, when we're talking about film, it comes down to what's the film about? Who's in it? Can I identify with that character, be it alien, be it, you know, uh, 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 a man, a woman, uh, a transvestite, a a sentient pair of fluffy dice? I don't know. But, you know, uh, it it really doesn't matter to me as long as I can get behind the fluffy dice uh, and and support them and their choices. Yeah. And and how many sex scenes are in there? How good are they? How nice were the tits in those sex scenes? All these things factor into... Oh, sorry. Anyway, go on. 
yeah well definitely i mean um pound to jiggle ratio definitely um couldn't resist uh so um <laughs> so really once again di- diving on into this film which i i really had uh, nothing uh, to sort of inform beforehand i can i can see uh, fairly easily how it it's it's hit a nerve with you and i i'm i'm not surprised i think there's there's certainly parts that you could um draw parallels from mm-hmm. so uh i i think that's that's that was um easily understandable um without i don't think being particularly uh sort of grandiose of yourself to think that um because you know it might might some people might listen to somebody going oh well you know this film's a little bit like me and it's like fuck off <laughs> but no I, I i i don't think you were um terribly off the mark with that one um now i i i think that the main character or, or i should say bradley cooper's character uh, more famous for me to be for being the voice of rocky raccoon but there we go <laughs> Which um, I, i'm not sure if you knew that <laughs> i just think of the hangover in this film you know Yes, yeah, that's it. He is very synonymous with the hangover, which is not necessarily a good thing in my book. But there you go. No, um, oh, yeah, overrated for me as well. Yeah, whereas this, even though, like you say, Oscar nominations, when in fact Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar, didn't she, for Best Actress? Oh, did she? Yeah. I'm I not surprised. I still think this is underrated. So um, mm. there's a comment. Right, back to you. Let's hear your thoughts on it, Buzz. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, I, again... Um, much like I thought I, I was sort of alluding to with uh, Goodfellas, it, it sort of plunged you right into the middle of this character's life and um, really sort of fleshed out him and his struggles and what he was going through and sort of the 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 feeling in the family home and, and you know, why perhaps certain relationships were the way they were and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I thought it was really genuine and and fairly heartfelt, and, I, and and you know the two main characters are clearly damaged in their own respective ways, but I think they almost had sort of like a need for each other, which was quite satisfying. Um, I I really did not think that the where this film was headed was for a dance competition, and I did wonder whether that was going to be able to deliver significantly, and in actual fact. By the time we came to watch it, I remember getting quite agitated and, and tense towards the end because I anticipated things going a certain way. And I, I remember saying to you, just like, oh, if this happens, if, if you know, so-and-so doesn't yeah. do so-and-so, then, you know, I'm, I'm really going to be upset. And it, and it told me that you cared. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It, it, it hooks you right in. And I, it, it could have taken this down to a four, but... And this is not necessarily me rushing on, but I would probably say this is an eight for me. Um, cool. it, it's, it's a really well shot, well scripted. Uh, I certainly never expected to see Chris Tucker in there, but I think he played a role that um, didn't overshadow anyone and, and seemed quite legitimate in itself. And, and he felt like he plugged into the the world without it being sort of, you know, oh, hey, look, it's Chris Tucker. We, we got him. And what were your um, thoughts on Robert De Niro in his role in this? Good, good. I, I, I think as he's obviously getting to be a, a, a an older fella, I think a, a crotchety sort of um, you know diehard uh, is it an NFL fan? Yeah, um, I can't remember who he supports, but yeah, he's he's a big um, almost um, almost like a hooligan in places, but um, yeah. Well, in terms well, of that well, sort of he's dedication, almost, 
he's almost heavily on on an autistic level, you know, with his fandom for for his team and the uh, the good and bad omens around handkerchief placement during the match oh yeah and things mm. like that. And I think the the relationship between you know De Niro, the, aka the father, and Bradley Cooper's character, who I can't remember the name of, um, that pivots a lot of things in this film, doesn't it? That's like a that's a, a huge part of it. And again, if you're talking about parallels, you know, I think. Well, I mean, I could go massively off road here, couldn't I? But yeah, you know, my relationship <laughs> with my dad at times during my darkest periods was was similar in some ways, not in others, you know. But mm. yeah, that I can. So that that clicked with me immediately. That chimed on a big level, and it's not as if that on its own. I think there were lots of things like that that chimed with me, and and like Lars said, sure. there some, Lars said there are some parallels, and there are, but it's not as if it's massively allegorical for for my life or. And that's why I loved it. I think I loved it because it's just, it's a really good film. It's a really good film. And I think it's been rightly recognized by critics. And I mean, ultimately, yeah, what does their opinion matter? But, you know, you do, ultimately, it kind of gets into you, whether you like it or not. You know, if something is highly praised by critics, you're probably going to take some notice of it and think, okay. Mm. And, you know, I don't want to waffle again, but I just really loved this film for so many reasons. And Tiffany, who's played by Jennifer Lawrence, is just talked about um uh pepper you know with Gwyneth Paltrow and just being adorable and kind of uh, there's something about I wouldn't say Tiffany was necessarily adorable in this so to speak but just mm. I really empathized with with her immediately yes and that yeah, was I, so I, I fundamentally yeah that was I so fell for her a little little bit at the end by the end of this and so yeah I'm I'm uh heart warmed Lars, to hear your rating of that. I'm glad you really enjoyed that one. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I think this is uh, one of few films that I would universally recommend to almost anyone with any taste. I think if you're a human, you will enjoy this film. Love it. What more can I say? On to Captain America, then. <laughs> well, as as we charge into battle with the, the Stars and Stripes, and our famous shield to hand, it is Captain America, the first Avenger, and Mr. Hughes. Yeah, what did I, you have to feel on this one? Well, I will prefix this the same way I did with Iron Man and indeed Guardians, which is that it's not massively my area of expertise or love, really. But um, it was on the path to Endgame. And I, and I think, Luz, you'll correct me here, I'm sure. Um, the, the Iron Man was part one. This would have been part two, of course. But yes. Guardians just... In fact, it was really me that threw Guardians in. So this was like the next step on that path to Endgame. And, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to continuing that because it feels like a long time since we've seen this film. Mm. Um, well, it is. I, I was glad that we got to um, Avengers Assemble, which was you know the first Avengers film where they all come together. I felt like once we got to that point, that was a good milestone. If we were going to have to leave it, that was as good a place as any. Well, yeah. And so, well, Captain America didn't particularly care for it. I've got to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think, again, it's the difference between just sort of love or liking and then respect, isn't it? I certainly respect it. It was a well-made film. It had a narrative that it followed pretty well. And... I wouldn't say it was a bad film. I just didn't particularly enjoy it. I think <laughs> this is going to sound really like shallow on my part. 
Hayley Atwell's inclusion saves that film for me. And that's because she's, <laughs> she, she's quite nice to look at. And, and also, I've, I've got a real fondness for her from a role um, she played in the Black Mirror episode, which is particularly heavy hitting. I don't know if you've seen that one, Loz, but No, and I don't plan to either. <laughs> okay. Well, oh boy, she plays a character in an episode that like would could rip one's heart to shreds. And, and so, of course, you know, immediately I saw her face and I thought of that and I thought, well, this would be interesting because I've not seen her in anything else. Mm. And she's not like a fundamental role in this film, really. She's just in it. And I thought that was quite interesting. And I love Tommy Lee Jones for, for yes. many reasons. And uh, he's in this and he was great in this. Um, I, I, it's important for me to say, because I've set this off on a, you know, a path of being potentially about to be slagged off and it won't be slagged off during this review um the person who played captain america i'm afraid i don't know the actor's name or indeed the character's name chris evans and the um captain america himself is steve rogers thank you um i i did like the notion of him ending up in that position but i thought that was really cool and really that's what position well so the, the way that he was chosen for that serum. Ah, yes. And so I think we talked about this, or you did, you know, when it was first mentioned that, or maybe it wasn't mentioned, actually, was it? It was just that this happened to be one of the ones you set on the path to Endgame, but it didn't mm-hmm. come up in the film series. That make, would make sense. But yeah, the, the notion of he being, him being chosen for that and then the way it panned out and stuff, I thought was cool and I do like the fact that with Captain America I like the fact the shield takes um, sorry if my phone's going off in the background, I can hear it <laughs> no one else probably does the, the, the shield takes precedence and, and so it's that on its own could almost be a symbol of diplomacy and that oh I'm only doing this because I have to and that you know I, I don't yearn for war, it's not my default position, I don't want destruction mm. and violence but it's unfortunately necessary for justice. And I do like all that stuff. And that should have made me like this more. But I, mm. what can I say? I just sat through it. I just sat through it. And we've all been in that position, have we not? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we've sat through a film. And I, I, I'm pretty sure my phone didn't come out because I always make a big thing of not doing that. You know, even if I'm not enjoying a film, I would not just get my phone out unless I was sat in a room full of strangers of opinions of whom I don't care for. I was sat here with Luz watching a film and it was on the path to Endgame. And I thought, well, you know, even if this isn't chiming with me massively, I'm going to give it my full attention. And I'm sure that will reap dividends down the line when I will remember little throwbacks to this because I have sat and paid attention. So, yeah, it was, yeah, I don't really know what more to say. I, I, I just sat through it. And I didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't particularly like it. And so mm. it sits in that ether whereby it was just an it was just me passing time, really. And I don't consider it wasted time, but at the same time, I, I'm not really thankful that I saw it. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Sure, sure. I, I, I as I say, I, I really think that um by the time we come to the end of our journey with the MCU that you you will um because otherwise i think it might be a wasted journey <laughs> um, okay. 
I, I mean, it, it's it's interesting for me to note that um, I I was much more familiar in Marvel terms, especially growing up uh, with the X Men and Spider Man and, and their sort of uh, stories. And I wasn't especially um, into Captain America, nor particularly was I Iron Man, which is is an interesting thing with a lot of these uh, MCU films, is because they used pretty much the um, the original comics roster of the Avengers to to draw from. Um, I didn't have any great sort of affinity with the character going in, and I, I, as as Scott touched upon, I, I really do love the fact that it's. Um, Steve's like a, a little guy with asthma and he, he'd been trying to sign up and um, that it was, you know, he, he, he didn't have a chip on his shoulder. It was just everyone, you know, all, all of the guys that he knew were laying down their lives in defense of their country. And he felt like, why should I be able to give any less? And, you know, the, the whole sort of the, the, the boot camp scenario and, and um, them being pressured to choose the big jock guy and, and Steve sort of like proving that uh, actually, um, uh, well, I think as the scientist says, you know, uh, a, a guy who's been strong all his life um, can be corrupted by strength, but someone who's always felt weak will always respect that strength. And I was just like, that's, that's a key thing for me because I personally find um, even though I think Robert Downey Jr. is immaculately uh, played um, Tony Stark, that Chris Evans as, as Steve Rogers, that the Captain America trilogy is the strongest of the character trilogies they do in the MCU for my money. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely, it's a, it's a building block. Now, one thing that I, I don't want to waffle on too long, and I appreciate we've been trying not to speak uh, about each other's films, but one thing that I had, had spoke to a previous colleague about, and he said that he didn't enjoy the film, and, and he, I mean, first of all, he was quite anti-America, and I was just like, why, no offence, but why did you go and see a film called Captain America? If Because he was like, oh, it's all bloody Yankee shit, isn't it? And I was like, well, yeah, there's going to be an element of Americana in in a film that's called Captain America. Like, you know... The, it's not where, as if there's at... that much American pageantry in it, you know? It's just... No, no. I, I, I do... I think it was really funny, a, a really funny twist that, um, you know, he has to go on the road to, like, all these different theatres and, and do these corny routines to get people yeah. to sign up for... For bail bonds and stuff but this 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 uh, colleague as i say he also spoke about um the villain uh that was just stupid is hugo weaving in a red mask like that's that's shit it looks shit and I, I, I obviously as a fan i was a bit deflated naturally but at the same time i was just like actually i felt like the mask was quite striking and i i, I don't feel like hugo weaving did an amazing job nor the, do i feel like he did a poor job uh he, he was the, the character assigned for the task. And I, I believe this was one of his first major roles, having ended the, the Matrix trilogy. You know, I, 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 I certainly didn't feel that he ruined it. Did he, did he hamper your enjoyment in any way? Well, the thing is, I don't even particularly remember what the mask looks like. Um, well, he's the, he's the Red Skull, so... Yeah, but, um, yeah, I know, but like, I, I, I don't particularly remember <laughs> what it looks like. Hugo Weaving was one of the Agent Smiths, wasn't he? Yes. Um, no, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I, I could probably only repeat myself really. It was, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give it a 4.3. Right. I think that that's, um, 
going by what I said earlier about just kind of that area of average. I'm I'm loving the points though, by the way. Like I, I I've I've tried <laughs> to stick myself to like either on the dot or point five, but point yeah. three is fine. Yeah. Um yeah, it could be a four point two, it could be a four point four. I don't know. I feel like that that's kind of where I dealt with it. I, <clears throat> I think I respect it more than I like it or in, right. I respect it more than I enjoyed it, I guess. Because I I again repeating myself, I do like the notion of how he was selected and that um yeah there's a lot that i really should have liked about this you know mm. above the likes of iron man but yeah it's ended yeah, up just in the rating yeah exactly yeah and um speaking of just didn't particularly chime uh, the next one on the list but i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm gonna go to the toilet first again if that's all right okay all right two seconds sorry Liz. sorry <laughs> sorry And we're black. Black? <laughs> and we're, we're black, black and black! <laughs> oh, oh, my bladder, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so sorry. Right. Um, yeah, so um, I segued fairly well into this and then ruined it. Or rather, my did. bladder did. So, Loz, uh, well, no, in fact, sorry, Loz, before, um, before you talk, uh, <laughs> I want to talk. Yeah. Now, this is another film that I really went into wanting you to love so much that I loved so much had had a fondness and affinity with for, for many years since I think I first watched this film in like Garstang in Lancashire you know when I was about seven or eight or something like that mm. and um, loved it immediately continue to love it to this day at the ripe old age of 34 um, and yeah Loz Dumb and Dumber what did you think? Yes. Uh, <laughs> of, of the two Jim Carrey films that you got me to see that I, I just hadn't, that they'd both been missed from my uh, collecting. I, it was another one where I, I just sort of had never really gone out of my way to watch it. I'd heard fairly decent things. And I think I remember saying to you about, I, I even remember uh, watching the, the short-lived animated series that they did because uh, it, I remember distinctly the the dog car uh, being a yeah. big part of my enjoyment of that show. Um, but yeah, I, it, it was another one where like I, the bits that I'd seen, I just thought mm, perhaps not one for me. And as I, I think both of us can, can probably uh, have already given away, this didn't really chime with me uh, once again. Um, for me personally, one of the, the, the reasons why I take to um, to Ace Ventura so well is even when Ace is being sort of over the top and crazy and sort of, you know, all the wacky voices and all the rest of it, he, he for me is, even if he is sort of wacky and zany, he's still one of the cleverer people in the room. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though he's a bit of an idiot or certainly portrays it a, a bit of an idiot, I think that's almost part of his, his mystique is that like, you know, all of, all of a sudden his eye for detail sort of gives him a one up on people that really should be, you know, outwitting him uh, quite clearly and comes out with these ridiculous things. But in the end, it tends to all be for the greater good. 
and to a degree, I suppose that's the the, the same with his character in in Dumb and Dumber. But often, I I struggled with this film because it was sort of the stupid character did something stupid, so laugh because he's stupid, and that's that's sort of like the way it came across to me. And I was just like, if I already know he's stupid and he does something stupid to prove that he's stupid. It's just sort of like uh, that sort of par for the course for an idiot, isn't it? You know, it, uh, that was the thing where there was there was certain times where it, it, you know he he'd do something and it was so stupid that uh, rather than entertain me, actually, frankly, it almost irritated me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that, that that's that's a, an interesting thing. Yeah, I, I struggled with this. This was one of the the few times where I sat down to watch a film with you, and I remember specifically picking my phone out of my pocket and being like, no. No, you don't. No. <laughs> um, yeah. What can I, I, I don't think it was um, particularly badly made. Uh, I think the script maybe left um, something to be desired. I, I know, you know, there's there's a lot of these sort of uh, fairly bawdy. Um, I suppose, actually, it's not that bawdy, is it really? It's, it's not rude or sort of like sexy. There's, there's uh, you know sort of allusions to romance but i don't think there's anything anyway um do you know what i feel like the the difference is between you and i with this film or the difference mm-hmm. i was watching that there so lloyd christmas played by jim carrey and harry jim. dunn played by uh, jeff daniels it's n- their moral compass isn't necessarily there and shining you know to be seen by all that views it and yeah i sort of felt like i found that in their characters Mm -hmm. and so subsequently i could identify a bit more and uh be a bit maybe lenient on their stupidity at times that just threw plans and any decency into chaos and maybe that was the difference when you were watching it that just I don't know, you didn't quite identify with the characters in the same way, and so you just saw it as kind of two goons just on a bit of a, a jaunt, just being silly, and it just didn't quite resonate in the same way. Am I right mm. in saying so, or have I hit, missed the mark there? Like no, no, I, I, I think you're certainly not far off, and I, I was about to say also, I think, frankly, I think watching it earlier on in life, you might have been more sort of easily appeased by a film like this, and then have more time for it, yeah. whereas me me watching it for the first time at what 23 24 30 33 jesus christ it wasn't that longer um, <laughs> 33 34 i wish it was i think perhaps uh, maybe i was coming at it um i i wasn't i wasn't the i was no longer the ideal audience for it so um yeah, perhaps that might be definitely because again i've got i've got no nostalgia attached to it have i do you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's fair to say that nostalgia plays a part in my love for it you know for obvious reasons because i did see it like when i was like eight or something yeah so and um and then of course i saw it again you know a few years later and probably got a little bit more than uh that i wouldn't have done at the age of eight and then maybe subsequent watch viewings as well and so yeah maybe that's a big reason why i love it so much because i've seen it a good few times down the years and and picked out different things each time and um do you know one of the things i love so much about this film was i don't know if i've had this conversation with you possibly at the end of the film i don't know the soundtrack yeah the soundtrack. yeah <laughs> yeah 
So there we go. That answers that question. Yeah, I just it feel the, the soundtrack makes it such a road trip for me watching that. It's hard to describe, really. Um, they could have gone with a completely different set of songs, and it may have been barely half the film it is to me as a result, you know, because I, I really identify with certain songs from that film, and, and I'll hear one occasionally anywhere, you know, let's just say in Debenhams of a Sunday morning. And I'm swept back to like, after an evening at Garstang Primary School watching that film I'm for the sorry. first time. I'm sorry, fuck off, fuck off. Debenhams of a Sunday morning. <laughs> when have you ever been in fucking Debenhams on a Sunday morning? Ever. If you've been in it once in your life, I will let you off for that. <laughs> That's the funniest thing you've said all day. I don't think I've ever set foot in Debenhams on the Sunday morning. Easy like Sunday morning. All right. Um, oh, if you're going to be like that, Lars, fucking super drug on a Thursday evening. I don't know. Just I've been out and about somewhere in a place that's piping. I mean, in, in a shopping centre gener- would have been fine. Yeah, I don't know why I honed in on Debenhams of all places. <laughs> oh, didn't they close as well, though? I got that wrong. Is Debenhams no more? Oh, I don't know, and I don't care. Which makes it equally, you know, even more baffling that I landed on Debenhams. I don't know. Mm. Oh, well, well, okay, Cafe Nero. Could be anywhere. Could be anywhere <laughs> other than Debenhams. <laughs> where I've heard, like, crash test dummies. You know, and that's just swept me back to that specific part in that film, which, if you can't remember, is where Lloyd has just basically driven hundreds of miles in the wrong direction. They've had a big fracas. And then Jeff Daniels character, Harry has just walked off, you know, like I'm sc- I'm done with this. Screw you. And then, <laughs> yeah, Lloyd Christmas just turns up on a moped that he's traded Harry's lifelong obsession and decades of work has gone into this van and turning it into what that van is. And you know what I mean, don't you? Oh, yes. Well, probably the, most of the world knows what I mean. And then, yeah, Lloyd turns up on this little beaten up moped that he's traded it in for, but he he redeems himself in the process. And so there's a lot of sentiment with that song and, and the way those characters feel. And then, you know, the, the, the missing high five, which was reenacted by Loz and I many years ago, and I actually did nerve damage to my arm in the process. <laughs> yeah. On, a, oh, on, the, on the edge of a table in high school. So, yeah. Yeah, we like to live on the edge, don't we? Yeah, literally. Um, and yeah, don't do that to your elbows, guys, because you're well, or don't do it even to one elbow because you won't <laughs> like the repercussions. No, Take nerve damage is not good. Take it from me. And you've learned to um, trust my judgment implicitly, I would imagine, by this point in the podcast. We're on episode 20 now. You're hanging on my every word, aren't you? So don't do that, basically. Uh, because I frequently, um, yeah, what's the word? I I just wish I hadn't done it. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a it was a stupid high five. You hadn't even seen the film. I don't even I, I don't even know if if you even recognised that we were doing the Dumb and Dumber missing high five, but we were and we did it. Well, and... Only that you went. Come on, Loz, let's do the Dumb and Dumber high five. 
and I was lucky enough to get the swing away from the table as you got the swing into the table and we both missed each other which I presume is the spot and um, yeah you jammed your elbow clean into the edge of the table and then we couldn't show the film that we were supposed to show and you had to go to hospital <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that was the same classroom where I broke two fingers you know doing the sarcastic Raul running across the tables for for a school project which might have been in the book I can't remember no but it was it was the classroom over but yes it was certainly the same class anyway that's a taste of what Loz and I were like at the age of well in our teens right very, well very juvenile uh, in, well not juvenile Anyway, sorry, we're digressing. I was going to say, we've, we, we, we have really <laughs> gone off the, the freeway here. Um, but isn't that something Lloyd and Harry would do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, So, okay, um, well, so, well, I, I'm worried about the numbers that you're going to give me here, but go on, let's get it I, over with. I, I don't think um, you need to be too worried, but at the same time, you know, I, I did feel somewhat of a blow with your rating of Captain America and I certainly don't want you to think that this is any sort of retaliation no um, I wouldn't I genuinely wouldn't because for me for me genuinely and again this is this is me weighing up the pros and cons I'm going 4.5 I think that's probably fair for me it's it's just okay. just under average for me okay. wasn't it wasn't a, a burning dumpster fire of a film um but it it, it wasn't it, it didn't tick a lot of the boxes for me Fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't expect you to. Um, I, I expected you to like it more, but I don't mm. begrudge your opinion in any way. And I'm glad of the two um, that you preferred the cable guy. You know that. That's. Oh yes. Right. Okay. So without further ado, I, I um, think yeah. we sort of slightly skipped the order with this one because I was keen to rewatch it. I think you were keen to watch it. Um, I mean, being, you know, we're both fans of Christopher Nolan, just throw that straight out there. This was a, one of those films where I had not watched a film uh, where it had such a profound effect on me for a long time. And I think this is why this particular film, which we're talking about, Interstellar, uh, had really imprinted on me. Uh, uh, once again, for me, for myself personally, I sat down to watch it. I knew very little other than, as I've just outlined, it's Christopher Nolan, it's Matthew McConaughey, and I'm sort of interested in the um, McConaissance, as it's called, the renaissance of McConaughey. Um, and, I mean, I was a fan from watching True Detective, because if you've not watched True Detective, watch it. And if you're not a fan of Matthew McConaughey after that, then I'm going to slap you with my dick. Um, and you will deserve it. You will deserve it. Um, so, yeah, Interstellar, for me, um, bought it. You know, I, I'd, I'd seen the adverts and not thought a great deal of it. And then um, I think I'd, I'd just heard a good review, I think probably as I was uh, trolling through reviews on Amazon. But the review I'm most interested in is that of Young Hughes here. I'll say about a 2.5. Can you hear the zipper going down, Hughes? Yeah, two point six maybe. I so I um well I can't believe I hadn't seen this film prior to the setup of it, you know, through the podcast and talking a lot because I am a big Nolan fan, and even though you know going back to like superhero films and stuff, you know, Batman doesn't really mean much to me, but I really enjoyed the Nolan films. I've not seen all of mm. them. I've seen. Batman Begins and The Dark Knight 
and I, I rated both of those and thought they were good. And then, of course, I very highly rated some of his other films. I still haven't seen. Is it the Prestige? I need to put that on the list. But yes, actually, I'd I'd, I'd be interested in watching that with mm. you because I I haven't seen that either. Well, that could be the first on the watch list, part two next <laughs> yeah. season. The first one that Scott and Laws haven't seen. And but, and I've also got um, what you call it, the uh, Tenet, uh, the Blu-ray. So we we oh, need to get into that as well. Yeah. But obviously, Memento. That was. I'm pretty sure that was number seven in my films, you know. Mm. And, and then uh, Inception. I, I'm, I'm a fan of as well. And so, sure. yeah, I went into this with uh, high expectations, both through Christopher Nolan and Luz, you know. And I wasn't disappointed. I was not disappointed at all. It's not my favourite Nolan film, but then I don't think it was. I, I would have been amazed if it was. With mm. how much I love Memento, uh, I, I don't want to just frequently in the business of like c- comparisons and rating it against other things. That's not. I, I I know it makes for a concise summary with this type of thing, you know. And some people would listen and be interested for a rating at the end. I know I would be as a listener. I'd be like waiting for the actual rating at the end. Mm. But I don't want to be that guy that just does that on its own. So to just sort of talk about how I felt watching the film. It's a highly emotionally charged film. You know, if you'd mm. listened to the film series, you would have heard that uh, through Lars, you know, much better put than I probably can now. But again, earlier, you know, we we're talking about the parental side of things being like particularly resonant, and it certainly is with this. Um, sure. Uh, there's a lot of big things being played within this, you know, the concepts of time and love and just the universe and space and scope and, and just, yeah, all the big things seem to be like struck off at certain points during this film not for the sake of being struck off but just because it's that grandiose it's dealing with these massive things um matthew mcconaughey i slagged him off a bit in contact and i'll slag him off again um i guess <laughs> i am um, I, I i get why he was casted as that character in contact but it just it, it, it was the one thing that dragged it down a bit for me but i that's not that i dislike him as a person in any way and um, I thought he was great in this. Like, mm. And I know great can be quite a like, sort of large and ambiguous term, but genuinely, I thought he was really good, really good in this. Having seen the film, I would struggle to put anyone else in that role now. And that must be seen as praise. Um, sure. Well, it, it, it's, it's a lengthy film, but I felt that it needed to be a bit like contact. You know, it was dealing with such things that time and space pun intended were required and sure i felt very satisfied at the end that it was just done well in every sense and it yeah and it i'm talking about it like it's any old film you know and i'm just giving it a rating here whereas Lars talked about how it tugged his heartstrings and was coming at it from that angle i think it did genuinely touch me in that way as well i think how could it not you know mm watching that and particularly with again it would take too much time to to go into it and Loz did before anyway but yeah that there's a a moment not too far into it I think where well are you talking about where he's he's been in hibernation and he's been told he'd wake up like every 12 months or something and, and something goes wrong and he's not woken up for like 12 years and he wakes up to all these videos from his family and it's like they're expecting a response each time and it just becomes more and more heartbreaking as like it gets to the point where 
even his own son is like, you, you're not going to respond, are you? You're not even there. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. This is stupid. And like his his daughter had, had never sent a message. And then all of a sudden it picks up with her a little bit. Yeah, it's, and... where, it's where she sends him a happy birthday message or something like that. And, it's, and she mm. says it's the last time she's going to contact him and it really affects him. Yeah. No, it's something like, uh, you'll correct me here, but it's something like, oh, you've now turned the age you said that you would get back to me by. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was something like that. Mm. And and that really affected him. And that affected me. You know, that was, can you imagine what it would be like in that situation? It's yeah. It's unfathomable, but yet Christopher Nolan manages to do it in in a way where it felt totally tangible and real, and I didn't feel a shred of the emotion he would. But then that's not saying I didn't feel emotion because I, I massively did. I'm just what mm. I'm saying is, can you imagine what that would be like to go through that? And I, I yeah, I, I really liked the way it progressed with the end and with the. I saw an interview with Christopher Nolan where he was talking about this film and he said that one of the things that wasn't in any way CGI or well, not, not, not in any way CGI, but just was predominantly a physical set piece that required the creation of a, a stage and stuff for it was that bit right near the end where he's floating in almost like a library. And, mm. and then he sees what happened again, spoiler alert, don't need to say it. Um, with the room that his daughter was in or he was in and with the watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that whole bit and when I kind of clocked what was going on there, that was like a, oh, wow moment, not just like mm. a mind blown moment, but just that was so heavy hitting emotionally. Yeah. Really clever that. Yeah. And I expect nothing less from a genius like Christopher. No, I mean, Luz is a genius. I'm a genius. Christopher Nolan's a genius, you know. That's how highly I, that's how highly I think of him. That ending just really, really got me, and it definitely required some time to just debrief and, you know, after seeing a film like that, and I knew it would be like that, and I'm so glad I finally got around to seeing it, and I, I thank you, Loz, because it might have been another year, two years before I just got round to seeing it but so thank mm. you so much for showing me that and i respected everything you said about it so much before us watching it and it just delivered on all of that as i knew it would and and in some ways more so i wow yeah. that's that's i really appreciate you saying that actually that that uh, that's lovely thank you and i don't really know where i'd put this rating wise i think I don't know. I'm tempted to say something like an 8.6, 8.7, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Yeah, a lot of love for this film. Would love to watch it again and just pick out all the things I missed. Sure. Yes, I think it does. there's definitely an element of being able to re-watch and go in, you, you know, knowing what you know from the end, uh, I think definitely gives it another perspective. I think that that's definitely a string in its bow. Um, as we touched on, I... I can't remember the last time that I went into a film with zero emotional attachment and, and came out, I mean, almost emotionally devastated. I, I mean, um, 
it's and it, as I think I described it on the day we watched it, it's 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 almost like an experience that you you need to sort of experience it yourself as much as you need to watch it. You know, if if you watch in it and you invest in the characters, um, I, I I think as you say, by the end of it, it's it's practically exhausting. Yeah, um, and you primed me for some of that emotional battering. Mm. Um, maybe I did arm myself for that. I don't know. But it certainly affected me in the way that well, I, I knew I obviously knew where it was going, and I, I noticed the um point that we pointed out earlier that it was practically become a meme where he's getting the, the messages from home mm. and when he's trying to almost prevent himself leaving on the mission from for start to start with, I I I, I you know felt those same um extreme emotions again. I, I, I found it very powerful. And it's got Michael Caine in it, so you know you've got to give it a point, an extra decimal point for that. So oh, definitely, yeah, eight point seven, I think. And again, I, I felt like he he played a, a realistic and relatable role. I didn't feel like it was, again, almost like an awkward celebrity cameo jammed in there. No, I I, I felt like he um, was fairly believable as, as sort of like the head of this sort of covert NASA uh, team that were, you know, essentially trying to save civilization without being able to sort of say what they were doing almost. Yeah, he wasn't in there for kitsch value. It was, um, yeah, he, he was good in it. Everyone was good in it. And I suppose we've, <laughs> we, it, this is going to be a two-hour pod, which is fine. That's yeah. just about feature length. I mean, that's actually a lot shorter than many of the films we've discussed, the likes of Contact, Goodfellas, and this. So in, in terms of going from heartbreaking to uh, heart fluttering. Heart making. <laughs> yeah. Love shaking. Can you name the artist, Lars? <laughs> no, I can't, no. No, I don't think I can either. I going to say shaking Stevens? <laughs> no, just, it's, just it's purely. Diana Ross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Adele. Yeah, you... you... <laughs> or, uh, funny enough, did she even sing that? Hold on, guys, this is important. You, you, you've absolutely lost me here, Hughes. I don't think it even was Diana Ross that sang that. Christ almighty. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, another film. So, Interstellar ranked in your top ten. Yes. And uh, this following one ranks in my top ten. Now, before we even name it, I've got to be honest to you, Loz, and indeed you, the dear listener, that actually now, having sort of watched these films again, I think I would actually swap this for Contact. Mm. Yeah, that I feel like they were 10 and 11 anyway. Sure, and, sure. And I think having watched them again, I'd swap them around. And there's a big clue for any diehard listener who knows what my number 10 was. You'll be screaming it out right now. It's Love Actually. So it actually is, isn't it? It uh-huh. actually, actually is Love Actually. And Loz is actually going to factually tell us what he thought about it. Well, uh, lurching awkwardly from a story that breaks your heart to um, one that warms the cockles, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so, so Love Actually, I, I will admit, I sat down to watch this film almost as a favour to my dear colleague, Mr. Hughes, <laughs> yeah. because, because he, he spoke so well of it. And, and, and it was around uh, Christmas, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was uh, uh, around around the same time, and I do believe was that the same night we we'd had a bottle of champagne as well. 
Uh, um, well, certainly um, Prosecco or something. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, we had a yeah, yeah we had a most random evening. Um, but yeah, I, I I must admit I I wasn't in any rush to watch Love Actually, um, and I I definitely taken on board what you'd said, and I was just like, okay, I'm 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 genuinely interested to see. As soon as you said that it was on your top ten, I was like, okay, I need to watch this for that reason alone, because for me, genuinely, the top ten. I mean, we're talking about hallowed ground. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, Hughes has, has really gone out on a limb on this one. So it, I was going to watch it. Uh, I wasn't expecting to like it, but I was going to watch it. All right. <laughs> um, and I, I have to say, I was um, fairly happily surprised. I think your mileage on some of the stories versus others, because it's it's a almost a compendium of of different sort of love stories that somewhat converge and and, and some sort of mildly play into the others. Um, I mean, I, I, funnily enough, I remember speaking to mum about uh, Love Actually, and she said that uh, she found it very, very um, difficult to believe that the Prime Minister of, of Great Britain would end up with uh, Martine McCutcheon's character. And I, actually, I thought that was a fairly sweet storyline um, in itself. Well, that, that story of class divide comes up time and time again, doesn't it? Pride oh, sure. Prejudice, Titanic, Romeo and Juliet. West Side, well, not West Side Story said as much, but yeah, that idea of no, this can't, this mustn't happen, you know, and then mm. it does because love sort of wins. That's yeah, that's one of the many strands, I guess, of this. But anyway, sorry about you. But yeah, there was there was uh, certain things that took me um, by surprise. Uh, I certainly thought that um, Emma Thompson did a fantastic job in, in her sort of um, wife that had had been sort of slightly pushed to the wayside by uh, a, a younger sort of secretary figure in yeah. uh, her husband's life. Uh, and that scene where she has the little moment to herself after opening a Christmas present. Mm. Like, yeah, that that's that's just tear-jerking, isn't it, I think, anyway. And especially when, when you know, for me, I mean, I think one of the, the first times I can remember being, you know, okay, that's Alan Rickman. I, I'm, you know, click. Alan Rickman quite got it saved um, was him being flung off the Nagatomi Plaza. So for, for him to fit believably into this film, um, I think he did quite well there. He still was a little jarring, I have to say. Um, but at the same time, I, I believed it um, much like uh, I believed Liam Neeson being a, a, a doting father instead of a gun wielding maniac as he is at times. And Hugh Laurie being the prime minister was, was, slightly odd and I, I wouldn't necessarily have would have cast uh, Tim from the office as a porn star but it, <laughs> it all came together um, I know and um, oh again can't remember her name this is the uh, preparation that I haven't done ladies and gentlemen that <laughs> I would have known her name um, Stacy from Gavin and Stacy whatever yes. her name is for God's sake anyway go on <laughs> go on then, boy. That was um, as if I resent her. I don't. I think she's perfect in it. Well, yeah. To to, to be fair, um, I, I you know, I know it's twenty twenty two and all this, and I don't particularly mean to be offensive, and I, I I don't necessarily believe myself to be a sexist or a bigot. I'm sure many people will feel that I am, and in that case, good on you because I'm me and I don't really give a shit. 
but one thing I will have to say definitely got bonus points for me is is um, uh, getting a kit off, which was most welcome. I'd not, I don't, I don't particularly like Gavin and Stacey. I've, I don't think I've actually watched a full episode of it, and I've tried to sit down and watch it a couple of times and, and turned it off within the first ten minutes. I don't, I just think it's one of those things. It just doesn't, doesn't. Uh, it's not in my wheelhouse. I don't think. Um, well, uh, Gavin and Stacey, I, I love the start of it. I think it's great, and I, I, I really mm. genuinely do. And I, and I think, um, James I think Gordon. I have a vested hatred in it because of James Corden and me having been compared to James Corden on a couple of occasions. And uh, I mean, it, he's, he's fine. You know, I, I, I don't want to jump on the, we hate James Corden bandwagon. He's doing his thing. Good luck to him. I just didn't appreciate being compared to him myself. That's well, I'd be the guy that jams something in the spokes of the wheels to, to halt that bandwagon. Cause although I don't particularly like James Corden uh, and actually for the record, I've been compared both uh, looks wise and sound like voice wise to James Corden before. Um, <laughs> I, I have a lot of respect for him for the writing and, and indeed his acting as Smithy and Gavin Asatia, which I think is great. Like, mm. and so, yes, I think he's a bit of a knobhead with pretty much everything he's done since then, but I will in some ways defend him to the help for, because I know he's got genuine real talent for his involvement in Gavin Stacey. I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, but anyway, back so to, so re- uh, returning back, back, back to, to love actually. <laughs> yeah, back to to Stacey getting her tits out, Lars. Go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and 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 really passionless dry humping with the uh, with. I keep calling him Tim from the office. Why have I completely lost his name? Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Thank you. He was every. I mean, I nearly said Frodo for Christ's sake. Um, Bilbo, isn't he? <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, Bobo, yeah, Bobo, yeah. No, he's a chimp. That's what he is. Yeah, um, fucking hell. It's, the, it's, it's been dildo, a long day. Dildo, fagging. dildo swaggins. <laughs> Carry on. Um, and also, whilst with whilst with uh, being slightly pervy about it, I mean, and any time Kira Knightley is on my screen is fine by me. Oh, I'm in. Um, I'm in unconditional love with Kira Knightley and have been for many years. Yeah, she's she's a special lady. Um, Even yeah, Benedict like Beckham, when she's being especially sort of tomboyish, she's still. Oh, I shouldn't say all of this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to take your word for that. I I got nothing against Benedict like Beckham. It has just not been uh, viewed with mine own eyes. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a I would I would say I'm a fan of Richard Curtis, and I think this was written with sort of like a a loving wink to the to the watcher shall we say you know it is somewhat a little bit like hot chocolate for the soul this sort of film um and, and whilst i might scoff slightly if i'm if i'm being honest about and I, and i think you yourself have addressed probably wouldn't have made the top 10 uh, on reflection only just but still and i know you've said you know this is a film you could watch every year and i i do respect that i can i can see what that is and um I do think actually that there's a, a, a good heart to this film. I, th- I do think there are some rom-coms that actually, when you drill down into it, especially some of the more modern ones, can actually give a bit of a, a bad, you know, almost like encouraging toxic situations and toxic behaviours and stuff like that. And again, we're not trying to get into all this political correctness uh, stuff, and I'm not, not here to preach to anyone how to live their life. But yeah, no, I, I think it was, um, as far as romantic comedies go, I, I would uh, 
I would give it my approval. Um, I don't necessarily like a few of the films of mine that you've said, I don't feel like I should necessarily need to rewatch it. I think I pretty much got what I was going to get from it off the bat, as it were, you know, without to pat myself on the back too much. And mm-hmm. I can already hear the waffle in the air. So what I'm going to say is for me, um, definitely can air. see why it's <laughs> there's waffles in the air. Um, I feel it in my waffle. I feel it in my toes. Get myself a marker, and then the feeling grows. <laughs> in fact, that Fucking song is, that song is instrumental in love, actually, isn't it? Because it's um, Bill Nye's character is doing. Oh a, yeah, a, a rather shameless rendition of that to try and claw back his credibility and career. That that was one of my favourite bits where he's on the radio and they play it. And they're like, what do you think of that? And he's like, well, it's shit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I, I think this film, it's the language of love that I, I particularly love about this film. Because on the one hand, you, there's so many strands going on story-wise. And yeah, you've got the guy who was in the BT adverts, can't remember his name. He just goes off to America oh, with, yeah. with a backpack full of Johnnies and ends up striking it rich, you know, luckily. But then on the other hand, you've got like, Colin Firth and his Portuguese assistant and I love like how the language barrier is overcome by just I, mm. I don't want to waffle too much get a lot of waffle particularly in the last two minutes you know just just talking about waffles rather than actually waffling I think but <laughs> it's things like that I, I think Richard Curtis who I believe was pretty much wholly responsible for like the writing and kind of directing and stuff of this you know big kudos Ricky I think this was great. I thought for a minute that was your nickname for it. <laughs> All right, Big, big Kudos. Big Kudos, yeah. Big Kudo. Because, you know, that's this is the sort of circles that me and Scott, you know, clearly are, are in. Well, yeah, the last time I met him, I, call, I just called him Kurt, and he didn't like it. So, I, yeah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, oh, no, sorry, Loz. Yeah, this is uh, a film that I'm so passionate about. Yes, admittedly, it might have sort of slipped out of my top 10 now, but I'm just not to say that I'm any less interested in your ultimate rating of it. So wh- where mm. would you put it? Well, I'm almost going to break my own rating system for this, I think. Or am I? Yes, I am. Yes, I think I am. Uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give it a six point eight. That's that's the way it feel, feels for me. Okay, it's a good film. It's well made. I think the the script is decent. I think it's well acted, but it it, it was um, a, a, a pleasant trip, but it wasn't much more than surface level for myself personally. So I think that's that's where we are. That's fair enough. I respect that. And yeah, I don't know what I'd rate it as, but it, it's yeah probably fallen out of my top ten. I think I think it's definitely a film that grows on you as well. I, I mean, it was for me, and I, again, you know, it's not as if Mark Como's opinion is what I hang mine on, but hmm. he he did notably say that like he loves it now after, um, you know, it just exponentially growing on him down the years with each viewing. But then Ooh, not everyone has the time to to spend. You know, viewing the same film a few times and onwards, you know. Mm, but no, exactly. that's that's cool. That's probably about where I thought you put it, and that's that's absolutely fine. Well, I was I was about to say if you compare it to something uh, almost akin to it, certainly in my book, having not watched either before this process, something like a Bridget Jones, I would estimate would get a four. So I think that's done quite well, to be quite honest. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I finally saw Bridget Jones about a year ago, and I thought it was good, but it just, yeah, no more than that. Hmm. Well, we've sort of managed to do this in feature-length time. I mean, <laughs> but uh, we're going to wrap it up really quite succinctly because there's not much more to say, is there? You know, so I'm just I'm glad, Luz, that we've got round to seeing these films after discussing them like we did beforehand. And there's plenty more on this watch list. Let me tell you, I'm looking at the list right now. It's on really a, <laughs> a rather crumpled coffee and shit-stained uh, piece of A5 paper. And we're sort of not even halfway down the list. So, in fact, I will quickly remind the listeners what's on there and you probably. Yep. We've got Marvel number three. <laughs> Marvel <laughs> number three. <laughs> and we've got The Elephant Man. Oh, eight, yeah. Eight Mile. Yeah. Ma- Marvel number four. Doctor Strange Love. Terminator <laughs> 2. With Nail and I, Silence yep. of the Lambs, Marvel number five, Pink Floyd the Wall, The Dark Knight has gone on there. I can't remember why we added that. I think it was definitely on my list. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, again, a film we've both seen. Yep. But love. Marvel number six, Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. That probably won't get watched, but yeah, um, not in a bitter way. It just I can just see that sort of being brushed off, and that's fine. Uh, Marvel mm. number seven, The Exorcist, and Ex Machina, yeah. and The Departed is on there as well. Oh, what a trio right there! So you know that's that's what's coming. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, Loz and I are going to end this quite abruptly, I think, because we, we're going to do a, another episode after this. You won't be hearing it for a little while longer, <laughs> but uh, Loz and I will be hearing it in about three minutes because we're just going to stop this from the start of the next one. So thank you very much for listening. Loz, is there anything you want to say? Because I actually don't feel like there's anything I really want to say. There's, there's, there's only one thing I feel like can be said in a, mo- in a point like this, which is... All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Which is Matthew McConaughey, isn't it? Yeah, baby. Although I think of Dennis doing it and it's always sunny. You know that episode? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening, folks. Ta-ra, mate. Do you know what I mean? Poka poka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>